0: Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up earlier today with Garrett Ainsworth, who is the CEO of District Metals. They are after Polymetallics in Sweden. So if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation, their plans, their recent fundraise and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com. club you can also find detailed company reports. There are summaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. There are training videos on there to help you get that bit better at doing your own diligence. There are summaries of other interviews, which may save you a little bit of time. And of course, why don't you join our thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, safe environment. And You can do that at cruxinvestor.com. club Garrett, how are you doing, sir?
1: Excellent, Matt. Good to see you again.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. So, at the end of July, beginning of August, I think. Have you been keeping well?
1: Yes. Yeah, very busy, actually. Yeah. Going through data, creating new data, putting it all together, making drill targets, permitting, and getting ready for our Q1 drill program.
0: Name of the game. And look, um, I think just for people watching this, we, we when we spoke, you went through your business plan, the strategy the team, the corporate structure, um, the financing. So I'll put a link below so people can go to that and hear that kind of backstory. I think today we're going to talk about what you've been doing since then and what's going to be happening in Q1 next year. So looking forward to that. Um, before we do, give us that 1-minute overview for people new to the story and I'll pick it up from there.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, so District Metals, is a fairly new company. Uh, really, we didn't uh, close on our acquisition of our high-grade polymetallic project uh, until July of this year, it's an advanced stage project. Uh, covers 5,100 hectares, 17 kilometers of strike length. We're situated right in between two giant uh, polymetallic mines. One past producing being Falun, uh, the other being uh, Boliden's Garpenberg mine, which is one of the most productive underground zinc mines. But we also discussed that it's also could be classified as a silver mine. Um, so yeah, we're are we've basically been working with some historical data and uh and putting our own more recent uh data together through SkyTem surveys and, and ground surveys and, and it's all come together quite nicely for for our drill program coming up. Fantastic.
0: I think if copper price keeps going the way it is, you might have to reclassify it as a copper mines uh, <laughs> thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's talk about what you've been doing since we last spoke. Which is let's let's take it from the end, beginning of August, if if you don't mind. So, what what have you achieved since then?
1: Uh, so, I believe we put more news out on Gord's Garubin, uh historical drill results, and really that just that's in the southern part of the historic Tom Kibo mine, which is where we're going to be focusing our our drilling. Uh, there's some very significant uh, historic drill intercepts with high grade copper. Um, they're only assayed for copper, but we know it also comes sampling the dump piles. Um, so that's a yeah, that's a very important thing to note. Um, so when we go back, we'll be we'll be drilling and analyzing for all the metals that are associated with that. But what that area really shows us, and very importantly, is that there's been a very strong and long-lasting feeder zone at the historic Tom Tebow mine, and that's an essential component to these very large. Polymetallic um, deposits that are being mined in the Bergslagen today, and so we have it on our on our property, and it's our it's our number one target area right now.
0: Okay, so but just if you don't mind, so characterize how you spent your time, money, and effort since August through to today when we're talking. There's a few things I want to talk about. You're in the middle of a race, okay? And I do want to talk about that because that's going to enable your Drill program in Q1 that you outlined to me last time. So, but what's the groundwork that you've been uh, laying down since August to now? If you don't mind.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So the other components, we we brought in a, a local expert in the region uh, by the name of Rodney Allen. Uh, he went into the field with some other geologists, did some mapping, sampling, um, and prospecting. Uh, that work was done in September, October. Uh, they went up, looked at some of the historical drill core that was available, sampled it, did a whole rock analysis. They're actually in the process right now, still of uh, doing a full interpretation of that data. We've seen some preliminary work, and it's it's amazing. Um, why? We also why got, do you say
0: that? Amazing uh, in how uh,
1: way. So so the background on Rodney Allen is that he was a he was consulting for, and then and then was working full time for Boliden. Uh, at Garpenberg in the 1990s. So he was brought in, uh, when they were considering closing, uh, Garpenberg. And so he came in with a crew and they did some structural studies and they they basically unlocked the code at Garpenberg and took it from near closure to a tier, now a tier one asset for Beleden. So what he's identified on our project. Is uh, you know there's a lot of similarities to what you see at Garpenberg and other deposits in the Bergslagen, which um, you know really really justify a very strong target. But meaning what? Because
0: Boliden ended up spending about like 400 million bucks on that thing. So w- when you
1: say the similarities,
0: in-, in what way are there similarities?
1: So the controls on the mineralization and the styles of mineralization, um, the, the different kind of geology structure. That's all uh, being observed. There is, is you know, very analogous to what you see at Garpenberg. So, that's that's absolutely key. I mean, we've been working off of Garpenberg like it's an analogy, and, and we're really getting good confirmation on that now.
0: Okay, and says the guy who actually did the work back then. So he's telling you with some degree of confidence from his experience that you've got something similar.
1: Yes. And it's helpful that I'm a geologist so I can, you know, it passes my sniff test, even though I'm not an expert in the Berkslogen, but I know I know what's right and wrong from a geological or technical side.
0: Right, okay, so so how much, you had a bit of money um, when we spoke uh, in July, you've kind of, I guess, worked your way through that. You're in the process of raising some capital now. Now, I didn't need to remind people, you have a big institutional following. Retail was only about 10, 11%. Um, what's it going to look like after this raise? Uh,
1: yes, yeah, so some of the existing um, funds that, that were in it, uh, Russo Asset Management, Commodity Capital, Sprout US, uh, uh, Stevens uh, Company, and um, yeah, there's, a, there's a few others, Bridgeport Capital. Uh, we've got about 4 or 5 more very serious funds coming in through this financing. I, I, I probably won't name them right now because we haven't closed but uh, they've, they've locked their order in and, and we closed our financing on, uh, on Monday at 6am. So it, uh, it really just strengthens again the shareholder registry. A number of high net worths have come in and it, it really opened my eyes to who, who our existing shareholders are based on all the emails and inbound calls that I got and who wants to, to come in as a, as a shareholder. So it, it was a really good experience. So you closed that book Monday. Uh, it's
0: interesting when you name those, it, it says to me this is going to be this is serious. People are looking at a, a serious business here. It's not a promote, it's not a broker promoted asset into retail. Um, so did you have to have conversations with each of those companies? And if so, what was the bit that they liked about this? What were they buying into?
1: Uh, well the main points that that I discussed uh, with you know with all the funds and whatnot are the jurisdiction that and well, quite a few of, the, of uh, the people I talked to were familiar with it um, obviously the the technical prowess of the Bergslogan for you know housing these gigantic polymetallic deposits uh, the advanced stage of the project and for myself it's really important to be in a in a region where you know you there, there's a possibility of Getting a monetizing event, and that requires healthy mining company, like major mining companies, and you see that with Kalieden, you see that with Lundin. They're both in the district. They're financially very well off. If something of significance, um, you know, gets discovered, uh, I would say the baseline would be about 10 million tons at grades that are similar to Garpenberg. Then, um, you know, there's there's something that could happen there.
0: Like so, just again remind us remind us what the grades are because they I did I did have a look They, they quite exceptional in places.
1: Yeah, just so just off the top of my head, uh, Garpenberg has so far has produced fifty four million tons uh, grades there. One hundred thirty four grams per ton silver, four point nine percent zinc, I think two and a half percent lead, point four grams per ton gold, point one percent copper. And it, that really is important, Matt. That you incorporate all all the metal content because that's really what makes up the value of the rock. And uh, yeah, I mean the the two the, the two for, at the forefront are uh, silver and zinc, but but there's definite value that comes from the other metals as well.
0: Okay, so let's talk about this money. So what, what, what's the quantum? Like the release talks about 4.5. Are you going to settle on 4.5? Uh,
1: you were. Yeah, where there there may be an over allotment, so to right. to that four point, okay. but it, it'll be pretty close to it.
0: More, we'll know more at the end of the month when when you close. Yes, fantastic. Yeah. Okay, so what are you going to do with it? Because when we talked, you talked about drilling, and I think most people get are going to get a bit more excited than the you know, than the geophysics or the sampling at surface, etc. When you start drilling. So, what's the plan?
1: Yeah, it's, so at this stage, I've been wanting to drill this project for a year. I'm. I'm just so excited to finally be getting there. Um, so yeah, we're fully financed. The plan is to do a 5,000 meter drill program uh, to commence in February, March of, of next year. And you know, when we did our raise actually in June of this year, uh, the two reasons that I got from people who didn't participate were you're not close enough to drilling, or you know, base metals isn't going to do anything for about two years. And here we are, what six months later, uh, and both those those uh, boxes are now completely ticked. So it's uh yeah it's we're entering a really good stage to be drilling a polymetallic project in, in Sweden.
0: Right. And but tell me again, it comes back to the work that you've been doing up until this point. You know what are the targets? How many targets? How shallow? How deep? What can you? What do you know?
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mentioned it's a 17 kilometer strike length, and we've got uh, a huge amount of um, regional targets and, and also some of the other historic mines along that trend but our main focus for this initial drill program is going to be the historic uh, Tom Tebow mine and it covers about a kilometer of, of strike of mineralization. Um, the, the mine workings or the exploration drift uh, is on the 200 meter level and that's we're, we're using a lot of that historic data to help guide our drill um, drilling but I mean some of our targets are as shallow as 40 meters. Down uh, and then you know we'll be looking to drill as deep as 300 meters, so going below that 200 meter exploration drift, and that's in areas where most of the drilling they did off that drift was horizontal and shows very significant polymetallic mineralization, wide and high grade, that's open, completely open at depth, and something that we will be doing, which is a common theme. Uh, it'll be the first time that this has ever been done on the project. After we drill holes, we will do a downhole EM survey, and this is absolutely crucial. Um, you, you basically pull all the rods out, and you put this probe down, and you have a, a loop at surface, and you're able to basically map out or delineate the conductive bodies, um, you know, down at depth up to about 200 meters away from the from the drill hole. And this this was never used, and it's it's a very commonly used um, and successful exploration methods used in many other districts. It wasn't used uh, at Garpenberg until the 1990s, and it played a large part in, in again, taking Garpenberg from near closure to being a tier one asset. So it's, it's that understanding that we have now that, that wasn't there in the 1970s um, when they were developing the Tom Thiebaud mine, which is our huge advantage right now.
0: So what else have you what else have you picked up from the Garpenberg experience? Or I guess the latter stages of that experience, which are going to save you time and money, you know, t- you know, identifying the way you should approach your asset at Tom Tebow. The
1: the key thing is you know making sure that you you get knowledgeable people into it, and that's exactly what we have with Rodney Allen, uh, also another geologist by the name of Hein Ratt. Um Is uh, had eight years experience with bleeding, four of them being in uh, in the Bergslagen, Uh, and then applying like our whole our whole game plan was we're coming into an old district that has not seen modern exploration, so let's just do it. And um, another example, actually, that uh, you know something that was never done uh, on our project ground gravity survey. It's a pretty basic, cheap. Exploration method that we that we've em, that we've just employed at Tom Pebo, Uh and it's it's very effective in BMS districts or massive sulfide districts because the country rock is a lower density than the massive sulfides, so it shows the massive sulfides as a as a gravity high, and it, that was never done on the property. So that goes with the sky temp survey, the deep penetrating sky temp survey, the gravity survey, and the downhole EM, and that's what we're all. All putting into the project to, to be successful.
0: Okay, so fa- how much does five thousand meters cost?
1: Uh, One point five million. So it's three hundred dollars Canadian um, all in. It's it's pretty good. Uh, a large part of that is because the infrastructure is so um, amazing in that part of the world. Uh, and then it, to do the downhole EM survey. You know another two hundred thousand, so call it one point seven million to do uh, five thousand meters of, of drilling. Right. So we raised a little bit more um, so that we can, you know, we can pivot um, and increase the drilling meterage uh, if we see fit.
0: Okay. So that's interesting. Then, so what what does one point seven million bucks need to look like in terms of the data that you gather to give you confidence to, you know, one spend a bit more money or two possibly even go and raise some more money?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, some of the holes will be will be basically testing or twinning historical holes that are missing data. Uh, there's quite a few holes, like I mentioned at Gord's where they only have the copper uh, assay results. So we'll be going back into some of those holes, and then stepping out on 50 meter centers, and and that uh, in this kind of environment should get us towards um, you know, head us in the right direction towards uh, doing a mineral resource estimate. Uh, and then we'll be doing some fairly significant step downs, and you know it's all like whether we increase the the uh, the budget or not is all you know results dependent. Okay, so to do that, you're going to need a permit.
0: or Permits. How are you getting along with that?
1: Yes, I've been I've been talking to a lot of people about the permitting process. Uh, I should mention Zinc Groven Mine, which is run by Lundin. It actually has a town on top of the mine. So it is a very you know, well understood in, in the region that uh, mines and people work together. And uh, you know, we, we started our, our initial community outreach in November. Uh, and the response was very positive. Actually, one fellow who owns quite a swath of land, farming land around the historic Tom Tebow mine, mentioned that he worked at the mine in the 1970s. You know, as part of the development of it, so he's very excited to be, uh, you know, see things happening again, and uh, it's to their advantage. So the government set it up that um, any material that gets mined beneath their property, they will receive a 0.15% NSR. So, and that that's you know quite good. I think you know the chances are they could depending on the conditions or whatnot, that could be a lot more profitable than uh, hay or, or some other agricultural project product. We got both. So yeah, so we 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 kicked off our uh, officially by submitting our drill application on December 4th. It's about a four to six month or sorry, four to six week uh, process. And obviously, there's going to be a slowdown with Christmas and everything, but I'd say we, as it looks now, you know, we're in good shape for for starting in, in uh, you know mid to late February, perhaps in March.
0: Right. And so we, we know that there's an infrastructure because there's this historic uh, mining that's gone on there, and people are used to it. But how long do you have to wait to actually get drill crews in place to get equipment? Um, out there um, you know things like that I mean, what, what's the operational constraints that you're working under
1: Assays, so, for a
0: sense except
1: yep okay yeah so uh, for the drill contractor I'm, I'm actually really happy that um, uh, a contractor that I'm very familiar with just happens to be in country and uh, it looks like we're gonna go with them um, so that's very positive and uh, makes me feel very comfortable uh, yeah so uh, they're they're basically have given the nod that they'll be ready to go when 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 our permits are good. Uh, when we get going, uh, you know I, I would say we would send our our core samples out in batches, probably start a month after we start drilling. Um, so the, the logistics of it is it would get shipped up to there's a ALS geochemistry lab up in Malo, which is in northern Sweden. That's the prep lab. And then, it, and then once they prep it, they ship it to Ireland to get analyzed. So that would probably be about a six-week process. So from the beginning of the drill program, we can kind of look at ten weeks to get to uh, to assays, and then and then give it a plus or like minus a few weeks and uh, for you know processing it and then putting a news release out on it. Okay.
0: Okay. So it, it's not too long. We've seen of longer timelines than that. And, for in Australia and in South America at the moment. Um, that, that's interesting. So, in terms of preparatory work, you, you think you've you know ticked all the boxes. You're ready to go. You've got a contractor who says they'll be ready when you're ready. Um, okay, exciting times. Then what what is the plan for next year apart from that? So, you've talked, we're pretty much talking around Q1 at the at the moment. If all goes well, you talked about you're not a you're not a mind builder, You'll take it through the feasibility study. That's really kind of comfortable. Um, but you're still a long way from that. So, what's the plan for the rest of next year?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, given uh, that we have drilling success uh, in the new year, I can see us going from five thousand to ten thousand meters of drilling pretty quickly. If if we we see an area where we can, you know, start building a forty three one hundred one resource, we will go for it, and we will be going down dip very aggressively. If if things start blowing out at depth, then I could see us bringing in directional drilling, which is what uh, I'm very familiar with. We used it when I was at NextGen. We actually—that's where I initially um, got my experience with it. It's—it's it's a very effective method. So that's just for the historic Tom Tibo mine. Outside of that, we we have a lot of ground that needs to be followed up on. So the a lot of the SkyTEM anomalies, the conductive anomalies, the magnetic anomalies—they need to be followed up on. Um, so. We'll do some ground truthing, and uh, yeah, and we'll be we'll be basically prioritizing them like even more so by by having visuals in in the field. Uh, there's also the Lovas mine, which is on the northeast end of the project, and we're working right now on getting the historical drill data for it. We have all the mine plans and sections, and it shows the mineralizations open along strike and at depth, but. We yeah we understand that there's um, there's actual historical drill data data available for it so again we'll we'll take that we'll bring it into leap we'll we'll digitize it bring it into leapfrog and then generate drill targets so it's like it's like another Tom Tebo mine um, in the pipeline so being more advanced and then we've got all these other exploration targets so uh, when I say um, the geophysical anomalies there's about seven high priority and then about uh, I think it was 18 medium priority. So there's a lot of work on the ground to really follow up on those, and and I could see us doing some more ground gravity surveys as well because it uh, it is a very effective method. Um, you know, in, in the Iberian pyrite belt, it it is absolutely like put a bullseye over top of some of these um, you know VMS deposits there.
0: So, Talk me through this strategy of getting noticed. You're coming on shows like us, waving your arms saying, we're we're around, we've started a process, it's going to be great, brilliant. But you're so heavily institutionally invested in, right? Because people like the robustness of your process, but at the same time, that causes problems with liquidity, and and that's the kind of thing that drives the price. So, there's about 10-11% available to retail. So, how do you manage that? Are you going to do a series of Small raises to let a bit more retail in, or have you got a different way of approaching
1: this? Yes, that's right. You we raised the liquidity issue, uh, when we talked in in July, and uh, and I mentioned you know it'll probably liquidity will increase when uh, our financing um becomes free trading, and that's exactly what happened in October. I was really happy that the the share price um didn't, didn't really come off too much, which uh. You know, speaks to the to to the quality of who's who's involved and and the support that was waiting to pick up the extra shares. So, on this financing, there is there are some very loyal um, you know retail shareholders that have come in. So uh, it's it's not just funds, not just institutions that are participating, Um, and and I think liquidity. It's we're going to trade a lot more liquid after December thirtieth.
0: Okay. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Is there is there a four month hold on that?
1: Correct, yeah. So we'll
0: be looking ra- around April, a bit more free trading stock in the market.
1: The timing's really good. I mean, for the, the four month hold to come off, we'll be well into drilling at that point. Um, you know, results will be out or, or very close to being out. So it, it's the ideal scenario. And it, it's also, you know, one of the reasons why we decided okay, we'll do a half warrant. I mean, I really like having the clean slate of no warrants, but um, if the results are as successful as I, as I think they will be, then it'll be a, a self uh, financing mechanism um, in the best of ways. Okay. Well, I'm
0: excited for you guys because you've kind of been very systematic and professional with regards to the process. You've now got to go and start doing stuff. With the money that you're, uh, well, you met, you've raised it. Um, I look forward to that. Stay in touch and let us know how you get on, please, because I'm, I'm intrigued about what the drill results show. If it is something like Boliden, that that's going to get the market excited for sure.
1: Great. Well, thanks very much for the opportunity and 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 you know having District Metals on on the show. It's going to be a really exciting 2021. Um, I mean, we can look forward to some good news flow even in January. Uh, we'll be bringing on some, uh, you know, on a formal kind of way, bringing on some some good technical uh, personnel. Um, also, we'll have results on our ground gravity survey that's at the Tom Tebow mine, and and uh, some more insight to uh, the geological interpretations that I mentioned that Rodney Allen is uh, is putting together. So it's uh, it's definitely not going to be a quiet uh, January or or February, and uh, yeah, really looking forward to to getting going. Uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh, and a good break because I think it's going to be a very busy one for you as well.
0: Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so
1: please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.